Welcome to ABC, Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. You are listening to a sermon series through the final chapters of Mark's Gospel, entitled, A Saviour's Love. There are two readings this morning, and the first is from Mark 14, verses 27 to 31. You will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written... I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, Even if all fall away, I will not. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. Today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. Second reading is Mark 14, verses 66 to 72. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also were with that Nazarene, Jesus, she said. But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, This fellow is one of them. Again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, Surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. He began to call down curses on himself and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately, the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word that Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. I'm going to be continuing the series this morning um, that you've been having over the last year or so, I think, um, and previous year, I should say, um, on Mark. Uh, So I'm going to be talking a little bit about mistakes and failure. And you've just heard the, the reading that's just been given. Hands up if you've ever made a mistake or felt a failure from time to time. Yeah, we all have, haven't we? Well, I've got an interesting list here of uh, people who have also failed. See if you can guess who they are, okay? So this person, um, his early businesses failed and left him penniless five times before he founded a successful car company. Anybody guess who this famous person might be? Very good, yes, Henry Ford. Uh, Another one? This person was both hearing impaired and fidgety. In his early years, teachers told him he was too stupid to learn anything. Work was no better, as he was fired from his first two jobs for not being productive enough. That's a bit harder, this one, because there's not so much clue. Beethoven? Beethoven? Mm, I know what you mean, because he was hearing impaired towards the end of his life, wasn't it? No, this was Thomas Edison. Uh, this one, um, this person was fired by a newspaper editor because he lacked imagination and had no good ideas. 
After that, he started a number of businesses um, that didn't last very long, and he ended up bankrupt and a failure. Uh, he then continued to work in the film industry, becoming very famous. Who do you think that could be? Walt Disney? Yes. Very good. Yep. Yeah. And lastly, this person didn't speak until he was four. He didn't read until he was seven, causing his teachers and parents to think he was mentally handicapped, slow and antisocial. Eventually, he was expelled from school and refused admittance to the local polytechnic school. Anybody guess who this might be? He did end up winning a Nobel Prize. Einstein, that's right. Yes, very good. Yeah. So all of these people started off being failures. What about in the Bible? There are plenty of failures in the Bible as well. Let's take um, Abraham, for example. Let's see. First of all, he was told to stay in the Promised Land. Once he travelled all the way around um, he, um, to Canaan, he settled there. He was told to stay there. But, of course, a famine came along, and he doubted God, and he went to Egypt. One failure. Another failure. Twice he passed his wife off as his sister. Now you might think that's a strange thing to do, but basically he was worried for his life because he thought that, well, if I have uh, Sarah as my wife, because she's very attractive, what might happen is that uh, one of these kings takes a fancy to her and will bump me off so that he can then marry my wife. And so twice... Two different kings, Pharaoh first of all, and then another king. He passed her off as a sister instead, and it all came undone for him. And thirdly, of course, God promised him a son through Sarah. But he doubted God. She was a very old lady, and he thought, this isn't going to happen. And so he compromised. He slept with um, his maidservant, Hagar. And the consequences of that we still are living with today because of the descendants of Hagar, uh, the current Arab nations that are busy fighting uh, with each other and against Israel today. So, failure. What about Moses? He seems like a fairly upright character, except, of course, um, right at the beginning of his time, he decided to murder an Egyptian. Okay, it was for good reason, you might say, but he was still a murderer. And then there was a time when he got angry and struck a rock when he was just told to speak to it. Now, you might think that's just a very small thing, but obedience to God was really important at that time. Um, Another famous Bible character, um, David, for instance, One of the greatest kings of Israel, except, let's look at his life a little bit more carefully. Of course, he should have been out at war with the rest of his soldiers, but no, he decided to stay behind. And while sort of peering out of his window, he spots a very delicious-looking lady and decides to go and sleep with her. And then think, uh-oh, now what I'm going to do? Well... He fancies her so much, and because he'd already committed adultery, 
he decides to make sure that her husband gets to be in the front line. So he's effectively a murderer as well because he gets killed in the front line. So failure, failure, failure. And then we come to Peter. Peter, the impetuous one, the one who's very quick to slice off ears uh, you know, with his, his sword. He's the one who goes out and walks on the water except ends up sinking. And finally, the ultimate in embarrassment. Oh, yes, I won't forgive you. I, I, I won't deny you, Jesus. I won't deny you. And yet, when it comes to the crunch and he's all on his own, there are no disciples around him to support him. He's just there on his own. He denies Jesus three times. But not only that, as the reading says, he calls down curses on himself. And then, what was his reaction? What was his reaction? Anybody? He wept, that's right. Yeah, he wept. Because he realized what he'd done. And so often, when we get to that situation, when we get to the point where we fail... We feel that dejection, don't we? We, just, we feel like, oh, just want to give up. Because I've tried and i failed, I've tried and i failed, and you just feel so guilty, you feel like you're a failure, you just want to, don't want to go on. But the difference between those who remain failures and the ones that go on to be successes, like the ones we looked at before, are those who persevere. The ones who don't give up. Winston Churchill said, success is moving from one failure to another with no loss of enthusiasm. Can we be like that? Can every time that we fail we just say, no, I'm going to go on, I'm going to go on. Both Walt Disney and Henry Ford, of course, they kept on plugging on and on and on until they found a recipe for success. Edison took a thousand attempts before he actually invented the light bulb. What if he had given up after 999? We wouldn't have these for a start all the way around here. But he persevered. How many times have you given up and not persevered because you failed at something? Are there times when you've done that? Have, are there times when you thought, oh, I can't go on? It might be that you've been applying for job after job after job, getting rejections. Agatha Christie had five years of continual rejection uh, before she finally landed a publishing deal. And of course now she's, I think she sold, um, what, two billion pounds worth of books altogether. Only Shakespeare apparently has sold more. Um, so if she'd given up after four years, there would be no Agatha Christie's. And that's why Jesus chose Peter above all the other disciples. Peter was the one who kept on 
getting up after he failed. That's why, ironically, Jesus called him the rock. And you think, that last moment where he betrayed Jesus three times, that that doesn't show much of a rock, does it? And yet, that was the name that Jesus gave him, because he knew that despite failure, he'd pick himself up and go on. And that's the sort of people that we need to be as Christians, because we know that whatever failure that we experience, whatever mistakes we make in our life, God is going to pick us up because he loves us and cares for us. You see, Peter, when he stepped out of the boat and he started walking on the water and he sank, it was Jesus who picked him up out of the water and put him back in the boat. Now, I don't know what the other disciples thought. They were all smug, sitting in the boat, as this dripping figure gets into the boat, soaked to the skin. But they didn't get out of the boat. They didn't even attempt what, Jesus, uh, what Peter did. But Jesus had the experience of walking on the water to start with. He may have failed, but he learned from that. So it's through our failure that we learn to be successes. So what should our reaction be to other people who fail? We can be hard on ourselves. We can be our greatest critics of ourselves. But what should our reaction be to others that fail, people who let us down? Well, what did Jesus say? Well, in Mark, there is no reference to what Jesus' response was to Peter's denial. But in John, this is what happened. Now, this is after the resurrection, and uh, Jesus has appeared to them, and he's cooked them a meal, the disciples, by the side of Lake Lake Galilee. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. That's once, okay. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, and he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. That's twice. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Peter asked him a third time. Uh, Jesus asked him a third time. Do you love me? He said. Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Three times to cover the three times that Jesus was denied by Peter. Now, Jesus could have come up to Peter and said, I know, Peter, that you let me down. You failed me. You deserted me. You made me feel really bad. But I forgive you. There, there, there. And really rubbed Peter's nose in it. But he didn't do that. He didn't even mention the word forgiveness. It was just implied by what Jesus had said. He said, I still want you to feed my sheep. He said, I am going to put you in charge. You are still the rock. So he didn't humiliate 
Jesus in any, um, Peter in any way. Would we have the same reaction when people let us down? Or are we like the world? Because, let's face it, you only have to turn on the news or read a newspaper to see that everybody is quick to criticise everybody else. Uh, politicians, um, the, late, the latest one, of course, is even the Church of England. You know, as soon as the bishop speaks up, everybody piles in and says, it's not your responsibility to be talking about this. Celebrities. They're all open for criticism um, in any form. And we do it to ourselves, don't we? Like your neighbours, for instance. I don't know. The state of their garden. It's about time they did a good clear-up. I can't believe the mess their garden is. It's letting the neighbourhood down. Have you seen the way that they treat their children? It's disgraceful. Do you know, if I was their parents, I'd tell you, I'd teach them a lesson or so. I don't know. The way that person drives. Have you seen them on Abergavenny drive? Oh, there's a 30 mile an hour limit, do you realise? And I've seen them tearing through town. It's terrible. We're so critical. We do it all the time. Either in here or to one another talking. Look what Moses had to put up with with the Israelites. Now here we have a perfect God leading people through um, uh, the desert to get to the promised land. Now God has parted the Red Sea. God has provided them with food. God has provided them with meat when they moaned that they didn't have any meat. God has provided them with water. But over and over and over again, what did they do? They moaned. They complained about their situation. Oh, we were better off in Egypt. Oh, it was so much better there. We're stuck in this desert. Never mind that God had provided all these miracles. In fact, ultimately, when they got to the the edge of the promised land, God had to turn around and say, sorry, you're not going in. You're going to have to wait 40 years. You're going to have to wait till that generation has died out because you're so full of doubt, you're so full of criticism, you don't trust me. And sadly, sometimes that happens in church as well. We often talk about the number of chapels that are closing. And very often it's due to resistance, to change, to hearing God, wanting to move on. Oh, we were better off before if changes start happening in church. Oh, it was much better before. Have we costed that? Mm, I don't know, that's going to be too expensive. Might need extra people to do that. All of these things can help hold us back. Romans 12 verse 2 says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. That means that we're not meant to think like or behave like other people behave in the world. We are called to be different. So how are we meant to be? 
Well, Colossians 3.12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now, what does to bear with um, one another actually mean? Well, I did look it up, and it actually means to put up with one another. We're called to put up with one another. Now, that's quite hard sometimes, isn't it? Let's be honest. You know, every church has got the same situation. It may be um, a charismatic church like ours, or it could be um, uh, a little chapel. It could be a Methodist or a Presbyterian or a Catholic church, whatever. People, when they're all met together, are all different personalities. And we're called to put up with one another. Because let's face it, from time to time, we get on each other's nerves. Especially when we're close to one another and we're working together with one another. If you're a church where people just turn up on a Sunday morning, they listen to a sermon and they sing a few hymns, they shake the pastor or the vicar's uh, hand at the door and then they go off and they never see each other until the next Sunday. Well, yes, you can have a perfectly happy sort of relationship because you're not actually talking with anybody, are you? You're just sort of turning up doing a bit of singing, listening to a talk, and going home. But in a church like this one, where people are mixing with one another, working with one another, there are going to be times when you're going to get irritated. Now, it may be with your minister, and I'm allowed to say that because he's not here, but there are going to be times when you get irritated with Michael, and there are going to be times when you're going to get irritated with the deacons in the church. There are going to be times when you get irritated with the people who help out because the fact we're all human, we're all different personalities. But we're called to be patient. We're called to put up with one another. We're called to forgive as God forgave us. After all, how many times has God put up with you You think of the times when you've let him down, when there's been sin in your life, and yet he forgives you every time, and that's how we're meant to be with others. You see, Peter failed, but Jesus still chose him to be the rock on which he was going to build the church. So we need to allow our leaders, we need to allow our friends and family to make mistakes and fail from time to time. We need to pick them up, dust them off. Sometimes we need to repair some of the mistakes that they've made. But we can't put them under pressure to be perfect straight away. For instance, if you think... um, Little children, when they're first learning to eat, they have a bowl of food. They pick up a spoonful, and it misses the mouth. In fact, it goes everywhere apart from the hole in the middle where it's supposed to go. So it'll go in the ear and round the face and all over the tray, on the hands, 
in the hair. Eventually, they learned to put the spoon in the right place. But in the meantime, there's mess everywhere, and that needs to be cleared up. Anybody who has had a teenager will know that there are times when you have to pick up the pieces. I remember when Tracy and I were first courting, or going out, um, and we were down in Barnstable at Tracy's parents' house, and she has a younger brother, Keith. And Keith had been out on the town, and he'd come back very, very drunk. In fact, we didn't know that he'd come back out, because I think um, Tracy's dad had gone outside... Um, to get the car ready for going to work or something, and found this body flat out on the drive, completely drunk. Could have got run over, I don't know. Anyway, picked him up, hauled him into the house, sobered him up. That's the sort of thing some teenagers do. Now I'm happy to say that he is a nurse, he has three wonderful children... (laughs) and is a very responsible member of uh, the community. But we have to pick up the mistakes. It's the same if you've ever been with anybody um, who's learning to drive, and you're in the seat, and you're thinking, oh, I've got to let them learn to drive, but, you know, and there's the times when you've closed your eyes as there's been a screeching of brakes. But we have to be there to pick up the pieces, and it's exactly the same For anybody in any position, we need to be there. We need to allow people to make mistakes. So whatever direction you're going in as a church, what are the things you want to cause this church to grow and to move on? There are going to be times when your leaders, when your your ministers, your deacons are going to make mistakes. And that's okay. Because we are going to make mistakes We don't hear God perfectly every time. But we need to be there to bear with one another. We need to be there to forgive, just as Jesus forgave Peter. Let's pray. Lord Father, thank you that when we fail, when we make mistakes in our lives, you forgive us. And we just thank you for that. That you are an ever-loving, ever-forgiving God. Help us to be exactly the same with one another. Help us to be the loving people you want us to be. The ones that aren't quick to criticise, but the ones who are quick to forgive, quick to pick people up, dust them down, give them encouragement to go on. Amen.